the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. Hour number two underway now at eight minutes past ten o'clock. Good morning. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday, the 30th and final morning of the 11th month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks again to Grover Norquist, who joined us last uh, segment, or last half hour, rather. Uh, a lot of very important information there. And uh, I know I get great important information and wisdom and analysis from our next guest. He is our regular Tuesday guest. He is, of course, the longest-serving commissioner on the United States Commission on Civil Rights. He is a Cleveland attorney. He is a sometimes law professor. He is a columnist. He is a an author. And he is also a fill-in host on AM 1420, The Answer. Peter Kersenow, back with us on The Authority. Hey, Pete, good morning. How are you, sir? Doing great. I always enjoy the holiday season, you know. I just wish that, um, you know, the, the various governments at every level would uh, not make things as uh, depressing as uh, they are. I mean, the fact of the matter is we're recovering from this pandemic. We're not out of the woods, but, uh, you know, they bring up this next virus out of uh, South Africa or the southern part of Africa, and everybody there says, hey, it's mild, you know, you may get some body aches, you know, and some sniffles and stuff. Sounds to me like it's not even as bad as the flu. And again, I don't want to belittle anything until we know more about it. But what strikes me about it is almost immediately, everybody who's in a position of power, because mainly they want to retain power, makes it sound as if we're being invaded by aliens from outer space. Um, you know, the holiday season, I, I think it's about time for us to go back to experiencing joy and comfort in our holiday seasons. And I don't mean to diminish coronavirus or anything, but we've got to get back to being human beings. 
Well, you know, that's a great sentiment, Pete, and it's a, it's a great thought and one that I share. Um, but we aren't going to be allowed to just enjoy being human beings and enjoy our comforts of our family and so on and so forth because there is a country to transform. And if you let people get comfortable, uh, well, then they're not going to be joining you in the transformation of America, which is, of course, the goal of the uh, Brandon administration, the former goal of the Obama administration, and it continues now. So let's go there and let's talk about I was just doing this before you came on, um, so just to, just to get your reaction to this. Uh, I'm curious as to how long it's going to be uh, before Joe Biden joins this call uh, from globalists, of which he is one, and of which he has, uh, he has been beholden, to, to, to whom he has been beholden. Uh, a lot of globalists, like the um, World Health, or excuse me, World Medical Association director, uh, Frank Ulrich Mon- Montgomery, who said yesterday that the, the uh, infections of the Omicron variant have been detected in South Africa, Israel, Hong Kong, Belgium, and the U.K. so far. Other reports say it's already in Canada, and it could be coming down to the United States very, very quickly. He is calling for worldwide lockdowns. He is calling for worldwide restrictions. Close the Christmas markets nationwide, he said. Close the stadiums where people are gathering, he said, because Omicron is on its way. Now, mind you, as you just said, the doctors who discovered it and first reported it to the world in South Africa have said they have not seen a single case where somebody with Omicron has developed severe symptoms. It's what you just described, some muscle aches and fatigue, and that is about it. Yet the World Medical Association director, which reminds me of and I'm sure works closely with the World Health Organization, says it's time to panic. It's time to shut it all down. It's time to uh, essentially come together as one world and try to eradicate this ourselves, which, Pete, as you know, is not about health. It is about the deconstruction of the United States as the world's lone really remaining superpower. Your thoughts on how long before the branded administration says, yeah, uh, let's crush this now. Let's do two weeks to, to flatten the curve and to stop the spread of Omicron. I, I think it's going to happen almost immediately. Maybe not in a definitive fashion, but they will start to ratchet it up. I mean, Biden understands or Brandon understands that the American people are fed up with this. Oh, yeah, certain in which they uh, celebrate having lockdowns and they wear their masks loyally and uh, all of that. But the majority of Americans have said, wait a minute, most of us are vaccinated or have heard or have uh, natural immunity. We probably have herd immunity right now. We have devastated this economy. We have increased mental health problems. We have destroyed much of our kids' education over the last two years. There's significant mental health problems among our kids. We have significant overall health problems because we've shut down many health providers for treating you know, illnesses such as, you know, heart disease and cancer and, and everything else like that. There's so much bad that has happened from this. Uh, I think that the I used to think that it was a little bit of a stretch about a year and a half ago. I thought it was a stretch to say that uh, the state or state actors, those who believed in the omnipotence of the state, wanted the coronavirus in order to achieve a transformational change of civilization, or at least our country. Um, Over the last year and a half, it starts to become incrementally clear that there are a lot of people who really have seen this as a tool 
to engineer change in our society and are using it very, very subtly, sometimes overtly in other cases. The most overt occasion was the transformation in terms of our election procedures, where they completely changed those, in many cases unlawfully, uh, in order to achieve a desired outcome. And so I think that, um, you know, a lot of this is driven by a need for power. Um, I think the, the Fauci's of the world, let's face it, I, I, and put Fauci aside, there is a natural human tendency to want to augur as much power unto oneself as power as possible. It doesn't have to be from a malevolent motive, but nonetheless, there is a human tendency to do that. We've seen that throughout history. That's, that's unequivocally the case. And I think even if somebody has a, a benign intent, has good intentions, that's a very, very dangerous thing, as our founding fathers knew better than anybody else, and that's why they engineered our system of governance. But those who really want the power, and there are a number of people who aren't just simply doing it out of a benign intent. There are people out there who really want the power. I think they're utilizing every opportunity they can with coronavirus, and now they're going to try to exploit uh, this Omicron uh, uh, variant or any other variant as much as they can, because number one, they think they're right. Number one, they think, and number two, they think they're good. And for many of them, they like exercising the power. I, you, you know, you start to see almost this gleam in Fauci's eye whenever he talks about these things. He understands he's the most powerful man in America, um, at least at d- different points in time. A powerful and, man who should be in prison. As, as Rand you know, Paul and Ted and I, Cruz talked about, he lied directly yeah. to the Senate committees on multiple occasions. He has lied about uh, uh, funding gain-of-function research in that Wuhan laboratory. The NIH came out and essentially admitted that is what has been going on. Uh, and yet this guy continues to not only not be in handcuffs, Pete, he continues to establish policy. And moreover, he continues to declare that to attack him is to attack science. He said it again on Sunday. I don't know if you heard it on Face the Nation. I, I saw it. Yes, I he, did he, see it. He, it's the second time he has declared, I am science. To deny sci- me is to deny science. And Peter, um, this is a guy who has been all over the map on all of these scientific right. issues. And he is declaring that all of the other doctors and researchers who are coming to different conclusions as to the seriousness of Delta versus the seriousness of the original, the OG COVID, the seriousness of the Omicron or Omicron, um, their, their work doesn't matter. His work is the only work that matters. And he, by the way, doesn't even work in a lab anymore. He's a politician or a pu- political puppet anyway, but declaring that my science is the only science. All of the rest of those scientists can go pound sand they don't matter as much as i do and he continues to get the attention that 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 essentially would say would would suggest that it's true well he gets attention from those who believe in the state and would like to see the the current state that is now in the hands of the left expanded that's where he gets the attention from the msnbc's and the cnn's and if you listen to some of those anchors of course they're always promoting the left in the democratic party but they're not particularly the brightest people in the world, with all due respect. Uh, among other things, look, they just don't know what they're talking about in terms of the medical science. Um, even from the standpoint of a layperson, they're pretty dumb. They just don't get it. I've listened to these folks, and sometimes I'm a guy. I get how dumb they are. They just can't process information. I hate to use pejoratives, as you know, but I'm giving the most accurate and benign description that I possibly can. 
Fauci, by saying that he is the science, and, and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on what he meant by that, but even giving him the benefit of the doubt, it doesn't help him at all. Uh, there are so many scientists who disagree with him, those who actually do the work. Fauci has not been doing any real, I mean, he's been an administrator for 40 years. When's the last time he's been in a lab? When's the last time he's seen a patient? I mean, that, you know, if I, in the practice of law, had not seen a client in 40 years, you should take with whatever I say about the law with a great degree of skepticism. If I had not been a trial court, you know, in the last 40 years, whatever I have to say about trial work, you better take with a big grain of salt. But Fauci, who is a bureaucrat, is over here expounding on things medical. If you've heard Scott Atlas, among others, talk about this and the fact that whenever he, you know, when he was part of the Trump administration's team with respect to coronavirus, and he'd be meeting, and he's he's a guy who actually does this stuff on a regular basis. Yeah. He said when you'd listen to the Fauci and Burks and some of the other folks, I can't remember the other guy's name, but um, said they'd never make reference to the extant data. They wouldn't make reference to research. In fact, they were oblivious to or are completely ignorant of some of the latest developments, yet they'd be making this, these policies. And he'd be sitting there stunned because he says, in, in my profession, you know, even in a, you know, a university setting or a hospital setting, you know, science is never subtle. There's always some type of a dis- discussion dispute. You try things, you test things, you experiment with things. And very often the, sci- the so-called science changes, not with Fauci. He makes a pronouncement and he is the science. Um, look, uh, for a guy who has messed up so badly, who's been on every side of every issue, and this goes back to when he was, you know, back in the 80s with respect to AIDS, um, for him to proclaim himself this because he's been bathed in the adulation of a supplicant media who wants to board this leftist agenda, it's, it's extraordinary and does great harm to America. So, Pete, let's, I want to I go here uh, real quick before the break. I, I suggested earlier in the program uh, that this vaccine wasn't just, or excuse me, not vaccine, this uh, virus, this uh, variant, um, was not just discovered in South uh, Africa. Um, I wonder if it has been produced rather than something that, that is a variant that has just naturally occurred because of the virus. I wonder if it hasn't been produced. And here's, here's one of the reasons I ask that. I'm not a conspiracy guy. I'm really not. But here's one of the reasons I ask that. Number one. Uh, they have found this virus, or variant apparently, in Australia. How did the Omicron variant get into Australia if the unvaccinated in Australia cannot leave nor enter? They have been literally banned from leaving or entering that country. So if the Omicron variant is there, the narrative has fallen apart. It is absolutely impossible for that to happen uh, if, uh, if nobody's allowed in and out of Australia, number one. Number two, and, and this, is, this is just as important, um, Candace Owens... Uh, said this uh, a couple of days ago. Experts told you that if you complied with lockdowns and censorship and masks and vaccinations, that life would return to normal. Conspiracy theorists told you COVID would never end. They would find a new variant of it, and governments would use it to usher in a totalitarian new world order. Who looks more prescient now? Um, and it's impossible to say. Or excuse me, it's impossible not to say rather that the quote unquote laughing stock, the clown show, conspiracy theorists were the ones who were right. They're going to continue to find a new variant. They're going to put it wherever they want. They're going to claim it is wherever they say it is. And they're going to say, oh, by the way, that double jab that you already got and that booster you already got. Sorry, we're going to have to go back to ground zero. Everybody is considered unvaccinated now until you get the new one that deals with Omicron. 
Pfizer has already said, give us 100 days, we'll have a new shot. Now, today, the Moderna CEO says, um, we have no confidence that our current vaccination or booster will work to stop Omicron. So Moderna and Pfizer are going to consider everything a clean slate. We're going to start over, and they're going to make another $15 billion per fiscal quarter selling the new shots. Pete, I can't, I can't help but wonder if this isn't intentional, not a discovery of a new variant and a reaction, but this is intended to make certain cartels, and that's what I consider Pfizer and uh, Moderna to be, they're drug cartels as part of Big, Big, Big Pharma, make them billions more while continuing to keep the government's boot on the neck of the people. Uh, Bob, you don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to wonder, you know, they don't have to be doing this intentionally, for example. In other words, they didn't have to intentionally engineer some type of variant or somehow discover it. But the intent to take advantage of it is abundantly plain, and they've been doing so for two years. I mean, you'd you'd have to be a conspiracy theorist to think that's not the case. Um, So I don't know how it happened in Australia. I don't know how this thing emerged. I don't know if it was engineered or anything like that. All I know is that the... Powers that be have been taking advantage of whatever situation arises related to coronavirus, any variant thereof, to enhance power, whether it's governmental power, whether it's corporate power, or any other kind of power, personal power. Those who are inclined to do so have done so, and that's why I think it's always important, regardless of your political persuasion, to always jealously guard your liberties because that's the first thing that go once you lose those once you lose liberties you're not going to be able to do anything to counter all of the things that are currently happening right now and on another note is regardless of conspiracy um, i'm more concerned about ineptitude because we have seen all kinds of statements being made by the fauci's of the world the biden's of the world and all these so-called experts that have been proven proven not just to be wrong, but just howlingly false. And they keep But I think changing. there can be, Peter, Peter, I think there can be column A and column B here. I think there can be ineptitude and there can be conspiracy and have them both be true. Well, let's pick this up after this short time out right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, Peter Kersenow, three minutes left here before the bottom of the hour, and I know you're going to continue after the bottom, but let's just dig this part, dig into this part for a second here. Uh, this is why I think it's more than just, you know, the ineptitude that you're talking about. I think we have to talk about whether or not we are being, we are being manipulated, we are, be, we are being played, and that these kinds of things are essentially being created. Because, Peter, do you know where you can go to take a COVID test to find out whether you have regular COVID, Delta COVID, or Omicron COVID? I have no idea. That's because it doesn't exist. There is zero testing that can tell you, oh, you've got the Omicron variant. Oh, you've got the Delta variant. Oh, you've got the OG COVID-19. It doesn't exist. 
These people, again, I call the drug cart, uh, the, the uh, big pharma companies drug cartels. They can conspire with the World Health Organizations and the CDCs and whoever else is in power to say, we're going to tell everybody, oh, there's a new variant now. There's no way to prove it, Pete. And I mean literally zero. You can go to any store, any pharmacy, any clinic and say, I need to take a COVID test. And if you test positive and you say to them, which one do I have? Which variant struck me? They will say, we don't know. They don't know because they can't prove that it exists, Peter. And that's what I'm concerned about here. Not just the ineptitude, but the intent of keeping everybody. And I'm telling you, six months from now, three months from now, whatever it is, whenever the people have gotten over the freak out of the Omicron, they're going, ah, look at this. This one was in uh, Ireland. Yeah, Ireland. That's where they found this one. Or it was in uh, Nicaragua. Uh, the, the new one is called whatever the next letter in the Greek alphabet is, Peter. And no one will be able to dispute it nor prove it because the testing doesn't exist. Go ahead. Well, I think that, uh, you know, you know yeah, and I'll take your word for that. I think it's really, I don't mean to be laughing about it. I mean, you know, people have been getting sick and some people have died. Um, but the fact of the matter is, I do think, that um, many people will take advantage of the fact that, you know, there's some type of, of spread of some type of disease, and they'll call it whatever they want to call it, in order to augur more power unto themselves. We've seen that before. I'm more concerned about, I'm, I'm, I'm equally concerned about intent and ineptitude. I think that something can have an origin or at least an initial outbreak because of ineptitude or a failure to properly medically handle the matter. And then thereafter, certain people taking advantage of the situation. I think we've seen a lot of the latter over the last year and a half, people taking advantage of the situation. And a lot of people who took advantage of the situation were politicians who wanted to augur more power unto themselves. Regardless of what the origin of the virus is, and I do believe it came from uh, China, I do think that there was a human element involved. Uh, I do think it had something to do with gain of research, and I think that it was released from a lab. Um, You know, all those things, I think, are true based on all of the evidence we've seen and the effort to say that it's not true, a a bizarre kind of effort, because if it's a search for the truth, how can you come to a conclusion without any, even, you know, China hasn't even allowed us in the lab. How can you you definitively make such assessments? So when I hear, and you and I talked about this, I remember the first week after I saw Fauci, again, this is not prescient or anything, but um, I, I said it on your show, I said, I don't trust the man. Uh, It was a gut instinct. Uh, This is when he was working for Trump, and he hadn't said anything necessarily one way or the other with respect to coronavirus to suggest that, you know, he was working at odds with, uh, you know. But the guy doesn't seem to be truthful, and he keeps changing his his position on things. I didn't trust him from the very beginning, and I think a lot of your listeners didn't trust him. We get a sense of people from time to time. And I still don't. And I still don't, but this is so much bigger than just that one man now in his I am science routine. It is so much bigger than that. Pete, we're going to get news here, and on the other side, we're going to talk about travel bans that are racist and travel bans that aren't racist and how we come to those determinations. And we're also going to talk about, speaking of race, how empty are the red kettles going to be at Salvation Army locations all over the country this year? And for what reason? We'll discuss that, too. Kirsten, now back with us for the second half hour after this. Against the lies of the liberal media pandemic. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. 1036 now, continuing with our good friend Peter Kersenow, who is uh, 
a sometime host of this program in my absence. Uh, also does the Chris and I reports. So make sure you tune in for those uh, on AM 1420, The Answer. Terrific commentary there. Pete, um, apparently some travel travel bans are, are more racist than others. Uh, President President Trump, back in uh, the early part of 2020, when the COVID threat uh, was first realized, and it was coming from China, kind of coming from Wuhan, China, President Trump, of course, banned travel from uh, China at that time. Also banned it from six other countries, including uh, uh, six African nations, because it had been reported to have spread there as well. And in an attempt to keep it out of the United States as much as possible, he issued those bans. Joe Biden declared... Uh, we need to lead the way with science, not Donald Trump's record of hysteria, xenophobia, and fear-mongering. He is the worst possible person to lead our country through a global health emergency. He then referred to the temporary ban on African countries as a disgrace. The New York Times at that time, Peter Kersenow, ran a headline uh, that read, The Racism at the Heart of Trump's Travel Ban in February of 2020. Well, just this week... Um, Joe Biden has, of course, initiated a travel ban on eight African countries. The new headline from the New York Times, United States will bar travelers from eight countries. No racism. Uh, and, by the way, Jen Psaki, Peppermint Patty herself, took to the podium yesterday to try to explain why some travel bans are racist and others aren't. I don't think she did uh, a real bang-up job here, but you be the judge, Peter Kersenow. Uh, sorry about that. Hold on a second. Let's make that connection there so that you can hear this. Come on. We're hysterical xenophobia and fear mongering. So what changed? Well, I would say first to put it in full context, Peter, what the president was critical of was the way that the former president put out, I believe, a xenophobic tweet uh, and how he called that, what he called the coronavirus uh, and, and who he directed it at. The president has not been critical of re- travel restrictions. We have put those in place ourselves. We put them in place ourselves in the spring. But no, he does not believe. He believes we should uh, follow the advice of health and medical experts. That's exactly what he did in putting in place these restrictions over the weekend. It's, uh, it's, it's really kind of comical, by the way, Peter. It's literally everything that Donald Trump did in the early stages of COVID um, have been exactly what Joe Biden has done in this ongoing continuation of COVID. And I mean literally from Operation Warp Speed, developing the vaccine and pushing the vaccine, which Biden and the Democrats resisted because Trump made it and made it happen. But now it's all about the vaccine. Now it's all about the same distancing and the same uh, uh, masking and uh, and the same travel restrictions. Everything that Donald Trump did, Joe Biden has copied to the letter. It's just that he gets credit for the things that people like, and uh, he doesn't get the blame for things uh, that Donald Trump did that they didn't like. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you can blame Trump and, I mean, uh, uh, Biden and Pelosi and others for being these uh, tremendous hypocrites. I blame more the media who, with their eyes open, go along and perpetuate this false narrative. They know precisely well because they reported on it a year ago. They called it, and they ran with the story that it was xenophobic and racist, and Trump is a racist and a xenophobe for doing these things. I recall back nearly two years ago when Trump imposed these things, 
my Civil Rights Commission, which I was the minority, issued a proclamation calling this racist. And, and the fact that it was called, uh, or the Trump called it the Chinese or Wuhan virus, was considered racist, despite the fact that virtually every form of flu that you can think of has as its name the origin of that virus. The Spanish flu, the Hong Kong flu, go on and on forever and ever. It's been that, that, that way for 100 and, 150 years. But there was a narrative, and the media willingly went with the narrative. And now we've got Biden. And think about this, at least with respect to um, the original coronavirus, COVID-19, the Chinese flu, the, the, the you know, Wuhan flu, whatever you want to call it, that had a devastating effect. People were dying. It was, it was serious compared to the, this particular variant, where, again, the evidence that we've got thus far suggests that, okay, it's maybe like a mild flu. Uh, not that you shouldn't take it uh, seriously, but immediately they jump on this thing because it has Corona in the name. There was no science to this whatsoever. All this had to do in, back two years ago was making sure that Donald Trump does not win. And they did everything they could. Every action he took, if he went to the bathroom, it was racist for him to do so. And, and I'll say again, so many institutions, but mainly the media, leapt on this with their eyes open, knowing precisely what they were doing. It's a completely dishonest media. We have dishonest institutions. We had so many institutions that perpetuating this, this hysteria and this fraud and calling Donald Trump the worst person in the world for doing everything he could to stop the virus. And let's face it, one of the reasons why, well, the reason why Biden they tell you if there isn't any kind of shenanigans going on, one was because of coronavirus. That's the one issue where he beat Trump on. Yet we've got more people dying from coronavirus since Trump, um, since Trump left. We did when he was in office, despite the fact that Trump provided Trump through warp speed had provided all of the vaccines in record time, had come up with all the protocols. They haven't changed anything. They haven't changed the thing that Trump has done, you know, except they've mismanaged it. Right. And so we've got even more deaths. But where's the media well, on this thing? Oh, well, the, the media, media, of course, yeah, the media is, is complicit. The media is going right along. Pete, you're talking about a media that has, through the Washington Post and CNN, uh, declared that the terrible, horrific atrocity at that Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin, right. was due to a car in CNN's, in CNN's tweet. No, no. The CNN said a car drove through there, and then the Washington Post said an SUV drove through there. Never mind the black nationalist white-hating activist behind the wheel who, who hated white people, and his social media uh, uh, posts are all coming out now, and everybody knows who he is and what he was about, how he swerved as much as possible to try to get as many casualties as he could. No, 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 no. An SUV blasted through a crowd, and a car blasted through a crowd, killing six, injuring four or five dozen others. Peter, you expect the media to actually call Joe Biden and hold him to account for saying, wait a second, you said travel bans was xenophobic and racist. Now you're banning people from Africa. If Donald Trump was still in office and was again, let's say he reinstituted the ban from these African nations because of the uh, Omicron, Omicron variant, what would they be saying? Same exact yeah. thing they said before. Racist, yeah, racist, racist. Exactly. This is the same media who, despite there not being a black person in sight, made Kyle Rittenhouse into a white supremacist. There was not a black person shot, there was not a black person chased, but he was a white supremacist somehow. The alchemy with which they report the news is breathtaking and astonishing. And it's not merely the 
the alchemy of it. It's it's kind of the the hubris that they think they can do this. But but by the way, this is the same media who perpetuated an utter fraud for four years in the Russia hoax, which has now been completely debunked without any question whatsoever. All of us knew it from the very beginning, but now they can't even begin to try to establish or or, uh, support what they had done for four years, but you hear a peep out of them. They came up with the greatest piece of journalistic malpractice in the history of the world, and it's not just malpractice. Many of these folks were doing it intentionally, and they rode with it and rode with it and rode with it, got Pulitzer's for it, but this is what the media does. They are the public relations are, are you talking of, about the Rus- are you talking about the Russian collusion hoax? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Just want to make sure that we we're talking about the same thing and not, well, yeah, and not, so and not the Charlottesville. Well, yeah, I was yeah, thinking of the Charlottesville, Charlottesville hoax was another or, word. Or, or not Waukesha or Kenosha or yeah. any of these places. They're all hoaxes. They are all pursuant to a narrative that the media has come up with. And again, the Russia hoax was the biggest political scandal in American history by far, and they perpetuated, despite the fact that on its face and from the very inception, it was absurd. So yeah, we're going to see this kind of stuff. We're going to see it from coronavirus. Whatever perpetuates the leftist narrative, the socialist narrative, the Democratic Party narrative, regardless of whether or not it has a scintilla of truth or fact to it, they have been shown now to be absolutely willing to run with it and then will not apologize when they're caught red-handed. Pete, uh, let's uh, let's continue to talk about racism where it actually does exist here. I know you see, you're correct when you say they fabricated it for the sake of uh, uh, of their agenda in the Rittenhouse case, but let's talk about real racism racism here. And uh, in this case, it's it's the Salvation Army that's perpetuating it, not racism against minorities, mind you, but the the kind that we are told by the left doesn't exist. That you have to be a race in power in order to actually commit racism or to be racist. But anti-white racism is real, and the Salvation Army has gone woke and is now essentially claiming it, claiming it as such. The desire uh, for the Salvation Army, the Salvationists, to achieve the is to achieve the following, uh, according to leaders of the Salvation Army, in an online resource entitled "Let's Talk About Racism," listing several goals, including to lament, repent, and apologize for biases and racist ideologies held and actions committed. The resource goes on to claim, Peter Kersenow, that Christianity is inherently racist. Did you know that if you are a follower of Christ, you're a racist? And it calls for white Christians to repent and offer a sincere apology to blacks for being antagonistic to black people or the culture, values, and interests of the black community. Quoting from the resource, many have come to believe that we live in a post-racial society, but racism is very real for our brothers and sisters who are refused jobs and housing, denied basic rights, and brutalized and oppressed simply because of the color of their skin. There is an urgent need for Christians to evaluate racist attitudes and practices in light of our faith and to live faithfully in today's world. And as we engage in conversations about race and racism, we must keep in mind that sincere repentance and apologies are necessary if we want to move toward racial reconciliation. Peter, they want people who are white to apologize to people who are not white because they're white. Apologize simply for being born the color that they are, and they think that this will somehow unify the races and lead to reconciliation. When is the last time you saw somebody apologizing for something that wasn't their fault, uh, being something that was uh, forgiven and led to racial unity? Well, there, there are several things to say about this. Uh, and among others, of course, this is what happens when critical race theory infects every institution. But uh, it bothered me when I heard this. I mean, more than bothered me, because 
uh, the one thing I've always done, every single time I've gone past the Salvation Army kettle, I've always made a contribution. Um, every single time, for 30-plus years, every single time, you know, it, there's one outside my grocery store, and they're there for about four or five weeks out of the year, and every time I go, boom, put it in there. Any other place, downtown, boom, put it in there. Because the Salvation Army, for a long time, had been beyond politics. They didn't have an ideology other than to help their fellow man, and it was a Christian organization also. Now, uh, when I heard about this last week for the first time, I walked past the kettle and didn't make a contribution. And I've heard the same thing from so many other people voluntarily. People just came up and said this because they heard about what the Salvation Army had done. Um, Go woke, go broke is the saying. And I've heard that a number of institutional investors have withdrawn their support from the the, uh, Salvation Army. Salvation Army now has backtracked and said, well, this this little missive that we issued is undergoing review. It, It really doesn't express how, you know, the usual kind of tablum they come up with and get caught with their pants down, but their initial expression offended so many people. I mean, aside from everything else, Bob, aside from the stupidity of all this, there's the the additional stupidity of the, the absurdity of telling your donors, those who are voluntarily giving money, that they must apologize. Think about that. As opposed to if you were giving money to somebody, maybe you can extract an apology for something they've done. But these are your donors, and you're calling them names. In fact, the most vile name that you can call anybody in today's world are racist. That's right. This is an incredible... Whoever came with it, it needs to be fired just out of sheer stupidity. That person shouldn't be running anything whatsoever. Well, you, you want to hear their excuse or their defense of it, Pete? Because they, they, uh, they have responded to this backlash now. And this just uh, was, uh, was uh, Saturday, I believe. The response is, the Salvation Army argued that the new guide was meant to encourage discussion about racism among members of the Salvation Army. They denied attempting to indoctrinate or tell its donors what to think, reminding people that the guide was meant for internal use. So in other words, our spreading of anti-white racism and our shaming of people for their skin color wasn't meant to go public. (laughs) They're not rethinking their values or rethinking their points. It's just that, well, it wasn't supposed to get out. Yeah. Uh, the racism here is it assumes that all whites are racist or are culpable for the sins of the past. You know, first of all, 80% of whites here came here after, or their parents came here, or grandparents came here after, you know, slavery, most after the 1964 Civil Rights Act, but they're, they're constantly presuming that in today's America, it's still 1964, 1965 Selma, Alabama. You know, I, you know, I deal in this kind of stuff. I see the stats. But more importantly, I've lived for a while. I've been around. To say that the United States today is racist is a... I'll use... I'm, I won't use any pejoratives. But think of the worst pejorative you can come up with <laughs> and affix that to lie. It is a lie. And the data reveal it. It is ridiculous to say that. But it's perpetuated because, let's face it, in order for the socialist or leftist enterprise to work, they've got to separate. They've got to do it by tribalism because they can't convince people to glom on to their theories or their positions out of a rational desire to do so because their policies do not work. And more importantly, as we've seen from the Biden administration, in one year, he's collapsed uh, the United States of America on almost every front that they've touched, from immigration to the economy, gas, you name it. Their policies yeah. Think worse than that. They're pernicious. So in order to prevail, they've got to engage in tribalism until such time as they can impose the socialist agenda overall, and they've got uniformity uh, in a one-party state. But this 
is it's an offense to every sentient being. The Salvation Army to do this is just so troubling. We would think that this was one institution that was above this woke rot. But uh, again, go woke, go broke. If this is what they want to do, if they want to insult their supporters, go for it. I'm like you. I'm going I'm to walk past every kettle that I see because I'm making a statement here, and I hope millions of others do the same thing. But I would encourage people not to say anything to the bell ringers. They didn't make these policies. They didn't write yeah. this stuff. They're just volunteers out there trying to do what they think is a good thing. So let's not accost them and tell them, go to hell, you racists, or anything else. Just just walk by and make your statement with your, uh, with your, your change or your bills staying in your pocket. Peter, I've got one more story on race. Jussie finally facing a judge. That story right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, Peter Kersenow, we're going to have to hustle through this one. Uh, I can't believe it's been over two years now since uh, we first learned the name of Jussie Smollett. And I mean, literally, that's when most people first learned the name of Jussie Smollett. I know he was on Empire, but I don't know anybody who watches Empire. Anybody oh, the racists, dude. The racists watched it. Right? Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, the racists, the racists <laughs> wanted to attack him. They knew exactly who he was. So the story was, as, uh, for those who don't know exactly what we're talking about, it's a little over two years ago. It was in January or February. So it was freezing in the desert of winter in Chicago, and Jesse Smollett decided that in minus 16 degree weather at 2 a.m. that he had a hankering for some Subway. He wanted he wanted him a six-incher or a foot long, so he goes to... By the way, I didn't know Subways were 24 hours. I have never seen hey, one. Hey, Subway hours. needs to do a commercial on that, because this guy did not <laughs> drop his sandwich. He was no. being pummeled by two racists, and free. he kept holding on to that sandwich. Tell you how much two, how good Subway is. Two white racists who happened to be wearing red MAGA caps, carrying rope and bleach. Uh, just just in the off chance that they run into a black gay star from the Empire series. They they had things with which to attack him, and they put that rope yep. around his neck to simulate a lynching. They splashed bleach on him to simulate to turn him white, uh, and they were wearing these red caps, these two big white bullies. And then from Pete, Nigeria. Come to find out they're just about as, as opposite of white as you can be. They're not just black folks. They're, they're Nigerian. They were very, very black, uh, which is what the New York Post is, is going out of their way to point out. Or Actually, I'm sorry. They're quoting Dave Chappelle, who, uh, who pointed out. These are very, very black men um, <laughs> who were on video buying the rope and the bleach and the red caps. <laughs> I mean, just so anyway, he's in, he's, in, he's in front of a he judge right now, Peter. Go ahead. Yeah. He needs to be convicted of terminal stupidity. I remember we, when I first heard about this was the morning it happened. My assistant on the Civil Rights Commission called me, and I started. I, I almost was rolling on the ground. It was so funny. I, it was so implausible. But this is what, 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 what the instruction is, Bob, that the media and the Democrats, but I repeat myself, will run with the most absurd things because they've got nothing else. They have to search far and wide. They have to manufacture racism in order to achieve their goals, to perpetuate their agenda. But again, Jesse Smollett, I mean, this guy, he should be in creative writing. Uh, as you indicated, <laughs> 20 degrees below zero in Chicago, the most democratic of all cities. There are these two mega country guys, right, with, with Trump caps on, who happen to be completely prepared with a noose and bleach and everything else to just on the chance encounter, they'll encounter Kirsten some out. obscure guy. Thank you, Peter Kirsten. Now we are out. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye bye. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.